G'day everyone and welcome to our Round 7 edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast of course. Absolutely woeful display by the Crows this week. Uh, seems like the season has caught up to a few of the young fellas and GWS just taught us a football lesson, especially in the midfield. Without any further ado, let's crack right into it. Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our weekend wrap for round seven, the game versus GWS, and uh, not glad tidings, unfortunately. But we'll be here talking all about it for the next, I don't know, Macca, what do you reckon, about four and a half hours? (laughs) I think you sent the record and go for a couple of days, mate. (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't even joke about it because that wouldn't be unheard of with you two. (laughs) <laughs> no, I will leave you two to do it. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> no, we're not going for four and a half hours, but we will go for a little while. Hey, look, day to everyone who's joined us in the Discord chat and on YouTube and Twitch. Of course, you can get around us on Discord chat. I've been uh, floating a bit of a video on how to get onto our Discord server and join the Crowcast community, which is really growing, which is great to see, and with our new live studio feature uh, it just adds a little bit more, and we've got people just queuing up to get in, Macca. Queuing up, they are, to have a say. Obviously, they don't give a shit about what we've got to say. Well, they might have something decent to say, mate. We'll <laughs> no, no, no. I've already, I've, already war- I've already warned them. They're not allowed to actually make any sense because that makes us look bad, and then they'll take over the podcast. <laughs> so well, they can have their it. say, but as long as... You know, well, in fairness, they haven't so far, so that's okay. That's true. Ooh, I don't think we're going to get some people back now. <laughs> but, yeah, no, no, no look, we love, our, we love our Discord community, and uh, like I said, it's growing uh, all the time as our subscriptions on YouTube grow. So if you are watching us on YouTube or you'd like to watch us on YouTube, get around us there. Uh, make sure you subscribe and hit the notifications icon so that you get uh, notified whenever we upload something. We've got Tuesday Night Live going again, Pete and Matt, uh, Pete uh, and myself on Tuesday nights, Macca and Nick, so uh, that's, uh, we're getting back, getting the band back together pretty much. All we need is Donkey to turn up. Well, you know, yeah. he's been sniffing around on Twitter, so uh, I might have to give him a tap on the shoulder, I think. Um, but, a, uh, and also... Only half a donkey left, mate. He's you know he's been on a bloody diet, and he's only half of he ha- left. He's- he has been on a diet. He's a half the man he used to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Literally. Never. No, no, no. All, all good. So, good day to everyone who's tuned in live. Um, we hope you enjoy the next hour and a bit. Um, and uh, I've given I've given my cohorts a bit of a talking to, didn't I, guys? After last week's. <laughs> podcast so we're not going to go too long are we and we're going to stick to the format aren't we yes sir uh yeah 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 not likely i I did have my fingers crossed here 
Oh, Jesus. All right. Look, okay. Well, look, without any further ado, why don't we get into the weekend's results? Macca, Macca's, Macca's like treasured segment, the weekend results. And uh, I wouldn't want to take it away from you, mate. So uh, here we go. I'll call them out and you give me your comment. Okay, mate. Friday, Happy to do that. Friday night. Friday night was a clash of the Titans, uh, Richmond v. the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs were found wanting. Richmond getting up by 22 points, 77 to 55. Yes, and I'll just get in very quickly before the uh, boys out there do. I made a lot of statements last week, and everyone backfired on me. I said that Richmond couldn't win the flag. I said that... uh, uh, the Bulldogs were <laughs> uh, because of such a strong midfield that they would win the uh, flag or very go very close, and uh, they were found wanting. The Richmond neutralised the midfield to some degree, and after that, there's nothing. They've got nothing either end that's really very dangerous. So uh, I eat my words. Richmond can win the premiership. I'm, I'm not saying the dogs can't, but uh, yeah, it was a good match. But Richmond far too good. I was watching it. Nick. Um, I was chatting with my friend in Melbourne, who's a Richmond supporter, and she she was just like, "Oh, oh, back to the bad old days of the first half." And the second half, she was like, "What happened?" And I'm like, "You started to kick between the two really big sticks. That's simply it. Um, they play, <laughs> yeah. they weren't effective all over the ground, but they did enough. And they and you're right, they stopped that doggy's run." Yeah, they did. Uh, they were back to their harassing best, um, the bully, uh, the Tigers, and uh, the Bullies just couldn't withstand the pressure, but I wouldn't write them off. Would not write them off no. because the Bulldogs now have a, a yardstick. Uh, they have something to uh, to measure themselves by, and uh, we'll see how they progress during the course of the season. Um, just let me know in the chat if that audio is a little bit unbalanced because uh, I'm getting some funny metres here. So... Uh, Give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Now, on Saturday, Macca, the Suns getting up over the hapless Collingwood. Are Collingwood tanking for uh, Dacos? Is that that what's happening? Well, no, I don't think it is, but they might as well because uh, they're pretty... Look, when you have a look at the the side they're putting out there and you analyse it man for man, it is a pretty ordinary side. And on the other other hand, Gold Coast... uh, who didn't have to tank. They were bottom for many, many years, and uh, they've had some very good draft picks. And those boys are starting to come to fruition as good players. And mm. uh, Gold Coast looked pretty good. And I know they were playing a pretty lousy team, but no, I don't think Collingwood are tanking. I just think that they just uh, they put They're all just their... Uh, in, well, they put all their eggs in the Grundy basket, and they've got really yep. some good football, and some they've got some very ordinary ones out there. So I would think that Buckley is in real strife for the end of the year. Yep, I agree with you. Nick, what do you reckon? Well, it's always a good day when Collingwood loses. Um, he actually might hey. be in real strife closer than the end of the year if it keeps going the way it's going. True. Just don't mind me why I have a, a sip of my little Coonawarra Shiraz. They're always good on a Sunday night. Uh, do it all right. Do it rough. Who we got next? We've got uh, the Saints giving the Hawks a fair old touch-up, 128-59. to uh, Hawthorne coming crashing back down to earth and probably putting our game last week into perspective. St Kilda by 69 points in the end, and it was never close. I think you put it very well there, Fiend. Uh, it does put our Thanks, uh, game against Hawthorne into perspective. No, you, 
wriggled on you. Um, but uh, <laughs> these are quite serious. Saints have been pretty ordinary up till now, and that they made, in turn, they made Hawthorne look very, very ordinary. And uh, uh, Marshall back made a very big difference. I mean, he's a quality player, uh, so that will help them. But uh, Hawthorne are struggling, and uh, they've paid the price for trying to trade their way to premierships and haven't got there in recent times. So I think that Hawthorne are going to go right back and uh, rebuild. And I don't know whether Clarkson's the man for that or whether he'll bail and try and go to another club. I was going to ask you, any chance Clarkson moves on? I think there's a very good chance. Um, You know, he... he, Because I think they, they... they really have to. They really do have to go right back to to be, to basics and start again. I, and that's in my opinion because they can't just bring in one or two players and be a good team now. They've done their. Well, day. I mean, we we saw last week that they've got a good midfield. I mean, uh, Yago Mir and Tom Mitchell are a good midfield with Warple to uh, to build a side around. Um, where where do you think they're lacking? I think they're lacking in their last. Sort of half a dozen players in on their in their best twenty two. Yeah, that's a good point. They're probably about maybe even about the last eight uh, because they they've just really just very very average players. Yeah. Now he's done uh, the rebuild once. Does he want to do it again? I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, but you know what, Nick, he did the rebuild with bloody two absolute champion. Well, no, probably four absolute champions, um, Buddy and Jared. Roughhead, and then uh, yeah. they got Mitchell, they got uh, Geordie Lewis. I mean, geez, they did pretty well at the draft for a couple of years they, there. They had high draft picks. They don't have them anymore. That's right, exactly. Uh, all right, uh, Sydney beating Geelong in what could only be described as karma uh, for Geelong <laughs> after their earlier win over Brisbane. Uh, but what... And I want to spend a little moment talking about the umpires in a minute. But what an absolute pair of howlers those last two decisions were against Geelong in that game. You mean non-decisions? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, yep, the free that wasn't paid and also oh. then the, the and the mark that wasn't paid, which oh. uh, according to the blind umpire didn't travel 15 metres. It would have travelled every bit of 20 to 25. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's, oh, not so, 25, know, think, but it would have gone close to 20. It was definitely over 15. Well, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, but you know, it's karma because Geelong won a game like that when the opposition should have got a free kick in the goal square in the dying stages of the game, and yep. now it's happened to them. So, no, no, no tears from me for for Geelong. Oh. It's just karma. Yeah, never any tears and, uh, when Geelong lose. Never. But you're right about the umpiring. It was. It is ridiculous, uh, and I'll be talking about that in our game too. But uh, yeah, yeah. Swan. But the Swans, I've got to say this one, they, they, they're a team that is, does have the capacity to dig deep and find on occasions, doesn't it? Yes, they do. Well, they've still got good players, Mac. I mean, the JPK and Luke Parker and and those blokes running through the mid... They're not... like Even though they're going through a little bit of a midfield... Uh, a rebuild themselves, their core is still experienced and hardened and know how to win. Well, I can't argue on that. On that, and they do when they when the younger boys duel with them and they put it all together. They they're a very hard team to beat. Hundred uh, percent. Now, probably my favourite result of the week: uh, the Lions absolutely torching Port uh, Brisbane ninety three to forty four, up by forty nine points, and uh, Port may be far too distracted by their stupid 
wharf pile on Guernsey and not worried about winning games of football. You know, I think you're right because, you know, the way the players went out there, they, they lacked the intensity when they went out there as well. And uh, uh, and they went, when you go out there with a half-hearted effort, it's very, very hard to get rev up and get back into gear. Um, and there were so many poor players that looked very, very ordinary. They mm. they got the ball right, but, you know, up forward, they were just very, very poor up forward. And, uh, no, look, uh, I thought Brisbane outworked them, actually. And... Um, I think you're right. They, they've been talking about that stupid brag of a Guernsey all, all bloody yep. week. Yep. About winning the game of football, and they did win the game of football. So, good. Yep. yep. I'll just also, make a go, Nick. Um, look at how they played poorly against West Coast as well. What's the same thing about the two games? Wet. So, when it's wet, it slows the ball down, which means you can get more on their face. Okay. They don't cope. With that, Nikki, 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 there's a reason why you have why you're a stalwart on this cast, and it's <laughs> that kind of insight. It's that kind of insight, Macca, that keeps her around. Just when we're about to flicker, she comes up I with know, little curls like that, and it's like, oh, here we go. She's no, you said you got a turf. You said you got a turfer, but she didn't come good. But she's come good. Yeah, but I told her that I was going to turf you as well. So. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, I was going to say something about Port. Now I've bloody forgotten. I, yeah, I just want to say one thing about Port and that whole Guernsey palaver. Port Adelaide have to stop trying to rewrite their history because, Maka, you'll remember, and Nikki, you will too, that when they joined the AFL, they joined as the Port Power. They dropped Adelaide. They dropped the Magpies. It was Port Power. The deal that they did made them port power and it, and they didn't have a team in the SANFL. The Port Adelaide Magpies continued as a separate entity. And this whole one, one club further. bullshit, this whole one club bullshit, and this trying to reclaim the bloody heritage that they, that they ditched in order to join the AFL in the first place just makes me laugh because they are not Port Adelaide Magpies. They'll never be Port Adelaide Magpies. And if I was a Port Adelaide stalwart, I'd be pissed off that they'd want to wear the bloody wharf pylons, to be honest with you. Yes, it goes one step further than that. Everything you said is true, but on top of that, and uh, they dropping the name Adelaide and becoming Port Power, which they then later wanted to change, um, yep. the the true Port Adelaide, the one that won all the premierships back in the, in the sandful, were banished from Albert and Oval. And they had to train at Ethelton. Remember that? They had, went had to go to Ethelton. That's exactly right. They they were a standalone entity. The the SNFL Magpies, Port left the AFL. Uh, Port left the SNFL. That was the deal. They left yes. the SNFL, and, and in they their took place, the club. exactly, they took, the they took everything with them. Took everything with them, and uh, became Port Power. And the Port Magpies remained in the SANFL as a separate entity with no tie and no love from the Port Adelaide Power, uh, from the Port Power Football Club. So everything that's happened since and all the bullshit that Kosh wants to go on with and Kane Corns wants to go on with and all the rest of it is just a, a vain attempt to rewrite history um, 
and they they do it time and time and time again. You know they established in 1546 and all this sort of bullshit rubbish. <laughs> they were they were bloody established in 1997, and that's that. Well, yeah. I'm 100% on your side, Pete. I've had this argument so many times, but everything what you said is correct, so it's very hard to argue with. 100%. And, right. And they keep, and next, they keep calling say. it prison bars. They keep calling it prison yeah, bars, not. as you said. They are wharf pylons. Go ask um, Jenny Williams. She, she's, as she said, her father would be turning in his grave if he they did. want to claim that history, which means they claim Foss. Yep. And as she rightly said, Foss would be turning in his grave that they keep referring to as prison bars because it is not, it is wharf pylons. 100%. 100%. Uh, they have shat on their history and they have shat on a lot of people to try and get into the AFL. They shat on the SANFL to start off with. Um, and we don't have to go back down that road. But uh, I just wanted to have that say because I tell you what, the, the bloody bullshit that's been going on over the last couple of weeks that they don't get to... And look, and the agreement that they signed specifically was to wear their port uh, wharf pylons in heritage games. They were stupid to do that, but that's what they did. There's no more heritage round. They got special dispensation to, to wear it in the showdown, their home showdown in their 150th year. But now they're trying to rewrite that contract as well and say, oh, well, you know, the showdowns are part of heritage. No, they're not. The Adelaide Crows, the only heritage and rivalry that the Adelaide Crows have is with Port Power, who joined the AFL in 1997. We don't have any rivalry against Port Magpies whatsoever. Totally agree. From my own personal point of view, if... The AFL want to be weak and grant them to wear that rag on in their their own home uh, home showdown. I wouldn't be so upset about it. I don't think it's right, but I wouldn't be so upset about it. But they want it for both and get stuff. They can't have it on ours with their dirty old rag and trying to steal the limelight with it. Not not yeah. on. Not on. Hundred percent. Anyway, that's all for that. Let's move on. Uh, Sunday, Melbourne. Sunday being today, of course. Sunday, uh, North Melbourne gave. Melbourne a little bit of a scare. Uh, Melbourne ending up winning by 30 points, 103 to 73. Yeah, and, and I thought North Melbourne, to their credit, they really busted their guts and played like I would have liked us to have played on when we had our game. Um, I think Melbourne may have psychologically taken the game a little bit easy, but in the in the long run, their class did tell because they've got so many good players. Um, yeah. But... Uh, apart from that, not much else to say, but, you know, credit to North Melbourne for at least trying. 100%. Um, Carlton, uh, Rich, uh, Essendon would be disappointed with this one. Carlton getting up by 16 points, 123 to 107 in a high-scoring affair. Not happy about the results because I don't like Carlton. Um, no. But uh, uh, Essendon, I was a barrel-barrel Essendon, but... Um, at the end of the day, I just think Carlton again outworked them. They Merritt was uh, running rife in the first half, so they tagged the shit out of him in the second half, and that really took away a lot of the drop Essendon's drive. But um, yes. and in turn, that gave Cripps etc. the opportunity to uh, get the ball out of the midfield, and the ball started to occupy down Carlton's end a lot more. And uh, in the long run, they've got a very good full forward up there in Mackay who. Uh, yeah, okay. he is very good. Very good. Yeah, 
he's one of the very best, isn't he? He's a beauty. Yes. And uh, I'd love to have him with at our team because he, he really can take a grab. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Walsh, yeah. Uh, the comment in the, in the chat, Walsh is a gun. Look, he's a lot like your brilliant player, but, geez, he just works his ass off and he does get a lot, a lot of touches and he does try to use the ball, yeah. So, look, yeah. Carlton deserved their win but I was – because uh, they, I think they did the right thing and they uh, chopped out the uh, motivators for Essendon. But uh, I was disappointed with the results. Uh, Essendon got, got ahead of themselves, I think. They got a bit of a write-up during the week in the Melbourne press as though they were coming and all that sort of stuff. I think they're miles away, to be honest with you. Um, and both those clubs are bottom eight material. Uh, and in the last yes, game, yeah. the um, Western Derby... Uh, Frio after a fast start, getting going down to West Coast seventy three to one thirty two. Frio at uh, West Coast in the end easily by ten goals, Macca. Well, I haven't got much to say here on the fact that I was having a winning team before the game about my dream team. I lost by one point. I'm being undefeated before that <laughs> when I was on Chapman and the poor bastard went down in the second quarter. I think it was, and uh, I couldn't score after that because. I mean, I should have run easy, but he, but uh, poor bugger, he's just a pad his shoulder. And uh, at that point, I turned the telly off. <laughs> I have not much more to say. Never mind, Macca. You, how many times have you won that damn thing? About five or six? You've won about 10 grand out of it, out of your mates or whoever it is that you go in that comp with? Yeah, four, four times now. Four times. <laughs> <laughs> just four. That's it. Just but yeah. between Dream Team and bloody Sammy's vouchers, you do you, you don't have to like. You might as well just sit back and just wait for the doorbell to ring with your deliveries. Oh, look! I've also started doing complaints to places you don't have a meal at, like <laughs> Macca's, Macca's. I've done it with it. I've done it with KFC. And I've got vouchers greater than what I spent there in the first place. Oh, so, jeez. Well, I've got time on my hand, mate. I'm retired. I've got to do something. Yeah, you got to do something. That's that's damn right. Quick look at the uh, quick look at the ladder before we move on. Uh, Melbourne's still on top. The Bullies outright second, and then uh, Port and Sydney uh, third on twenty points. And then we've got Geelong, Richmond, Brisbane, West Coast, Fremantle, just out of the eight on sixteen points. Gold Coast, GWS. Carton and Adelaide and St Kilda on 12 points. St Kilda's percentage is horrible. Uh, Essendon, uh, despite good dis- uh, percentage, only on 8 points along with Hawthorne and then Collingwood on 4 points and North yet to score, winning the Jason Horn race, Macca and Nicky. <laughs> well, I think there's a couple of good boys from Melbourne, Melbourne that might give him a little bit of a battle for that spot anyhow. So... Uh, uh, I, I, would no, rule us out. I would rule us out the way we're going. Uh, what, to finish last? No, but uh, I don't think Hall will necessarily be number one. Um, he'll be in the top Ooh. three or four. But, but the only reason I'm saying that is because there are some Melbourne boys playing very, very well as well. So, um, And the Victorian teams might well tend to go that way in the first place. Let, let me make this large statement, Macca. Yep. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to bet your bloody next Sammy's voucher that Jason Horn will go number one. I've Not a shadow of doubt in my mind. Well, you better go on five double and win another one. Uh, oh, do, and been... look, um, just just on that uh, Tuesday night live this week, um, 
Peter and I are going to be going through some of the South Australian draft stock. Um, it's not only Jason Horn, there's a number of others. Uh, Matty Roberts cleaned up on the weekend, uh, albeit that the, uh, a lot of the private school lads now uh, have gone back to their school teams, uh, so the, the results are a little bit skewed. But uh, there's three or four lads uh, at the pointy end of the South Australian talent pool um, that uh, will be certainly first-rounders, and, and a couple of them definitely top 10 picks. Well, I think there's going to be a, a very, I think it'll be a very good draft and probably uh, fairly deep in that the first round that, that you know, you might be picking uh, pick 12 or 13, but you'll still get a good player. Yes, very true. Um, I know you, you, you want Horn and so do I, but... Um, Look, I, I still think you know. Uh, no, we won't. Uh, we won't get. PJ. We won't get Jason Horn. There's no, there's no way we get Jason Horn, Mac. Might as well you think not even that, think about it. You think he's that far above the others? Well, a Quite yes, late. I do. A yes, I do. I mean, he's been picked in the in the senior state squad as an eighteen year old, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I hundred percent, but B at the moment we're down around pick seven. Um, how the hell are we going to get enough to even even if he goes two or three? He won't go below three, Macca. There's not a chance in hell he goes below three, and how we, we're going to have to uh, fall over pretty dramatically uh, with Collingwood travelling the way that they are, and also Hawthorne. Uh, Bottom bottom three is going to be a big ask. Well, I understand what you're saying, but we've got a, a run of games coming up now that we're very capable of losing oh, every yeah. one of them. Uh, yep. And uh, and other two teams may win one here and there. Um, I think North Melbourne will finish bottom. But uh, the way we played, and uh, I think it's going to be a bit like that at times during the year, I don't think we're going to win a lot of games this year. I don't think we're going to be like, I thought at the beginning of the season we might finish finish around about twelfth or something like that, but I don't think we're going to mm. be that far. No, 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 no. I I'd still think sort of fourteen, fifteen is where we'll end up. Um, but long way to go, and uh, the big thing that's crushing us at the moment is injuries. But we'll talk about that again in a moment. Now, now, Macca, that was basically twenty five minutes of your crap because hey, people I knew bloody it demand. People, yeah, well, I got someone's got to talk sense. Uh, people in the chat and on bloody Twitter and everywhere else, oh, give Macca a run, give Macca a run. So if anyone complains to me that the, the, the Macca's grumpy old bastard weekly 10 minutes of fame roundup went too long, Macca's it's your own moment, bloody fault. Yeah. It's your own bloody fault. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, goodness me. Giants v Adelaide, uh, Giants 15-16-106, Adelaide four goals, 15, a complete turnaround in accuracy, 39, a margin of 67, which in my opinion really flattered us. Nicky, considering Mac has been talking for the last three and a half years, <laughs> what did you think? what did you think about the game? Shit. Oh, and by the way, before Nick, Nick, before you uh, do get on there, I must remind people uh, we do have a few people in the audience. If anyone does want to uh, have a say, uh, I'd really like to get a couple of people to have a chat 
between our talk about selection and our deep dive into the head-to-head. So if you do want to have something to say about the game, or anything else for that matter, get into the live audience on Discord, uh, raise your virtual hand, and uh, in due course, I'll invite you in for a chat. Right, Nick, what were you saying? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Quite simply. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the only way. Um, when we were discussing it in the, the last quarter, um, friends and I watching the game, it was like, it's not even a good game to watch. Like, even if you're being spanked, if the other team's, like, got great skills or whatever, you can kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, I don't mind watching that. But it wasn't really that either. And hilariously, ABC Radio decided to give up on the game as well and, and switched over to the St Kilda one as soon did as that game started. So they actually stopped. <laughs> yes, they did. They stopped broadcasting the Adelaide game and went to an interstate one because I think oh, they're like, pretty funny. have to keep calling this shit. That, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> My friend got very pissed because she had to change back to 5AA. I'd say it was very yeah. good judgment by then. <laughs> oh, True. I mean, quite simply, our midfield went missing. Completely and utterly yeah. missing. Rob yeah. had a bad game. Um, Mummy just absolutely poleaxed him. We know the umpiring was absolutely shit house. Oh, oh my God. It, I'll I knew talk it was about be that in a minute. Hold fire. Yeah, as soon as I saw number 12, and then 21 decided that he needed to be just as bad. So that was fun. Well, um, I was going to mention 22, I, so we covered a lot of them. Oh, was it 22 instead? I'm just like, yeah, whatever. One of you green maggots. No, they were blue. Um, they were blue yesterday. <laughs> Nikki, so, Yeah, come yesterday. On. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it green was a maggots. horrible game. Macca, I used to thoughts? be one of them, so I could bag them. Well, it's obviously, when you look at it, it's, it does come back to the midfield and the quality of the midfield versus the quality of our midfield. It started in, I think, in, even in the ruck. So, you know, we had Munford, who had been collecting pension for the last couple of years, decides to come back, and he made Rob look very, very ordinary, I thought. And then on top of that, the, the quality of the ball getters that uh, GWS put in there, uh, not just Taranto but, and not just Whitfield, but the, uh, not just Hopper, uh, not just Tom Green. They just keep rolling on one after the other, and, yeah. they, and they're pretty hard yeah. goers, and they're all quality. And we're putting in boys there against them, and it and it didn't work. And you know, when when Keys is your very very best midfielder, and he was uh, that, and he shouldn't he shouldn't be. He should be our third and fourth best. So uh, oh, not would, at the moment, Matt. Just... Not at the moment. Not at the moment. No, he I mean, shouldn't be our third probably... or fourth best. No, I mean in a normal side, I'm talking about. If you if you had a oh, good well, side, yeah. would... And uh, which um, what I'm really saying is that uh, when you when you put what we put into the midfield and pit that against what they did, you get that result. We got absolutely slaughtered. We did. We did indeed. Um, my own thoughts on the matter is that um, it, was, it was a loss that I saw coming because their midfield, as you, you reeled off those names, Macca, their midfield is full of hard, big-bodied, rugged, quick midfielders and Correct. reviewing the game and chopping up a bit of video that I'll go through later um, they absolutely pantsed us in stoppage uh, absolutely pantsed us and we we didn't stick a tackle all day we couldn't stop their drive out of out of uh, around the ground stoppages particularly across uh, wing 
um, between the two arcs, whenever there was a stoppage or a, a 50-50 contest, they invariably won the contest. And even though they got about seven or eight goals from stoppage, they also got quite a few goals, not so much off rebound, but just off winning those 50-50 ground balls um, during the course of the match. So, look, I think uh, I, th- I think we're struggling for stock at the moment. When you actually look at our midfield stock, Macker and Nick, you know, even with all hands on deck, it's pretty thin. We've cleared out a lot of midfielders uh, over the last couple of years, Greenwood and, and uh, CY come to mind. And whilst they weren't world beaters, they were still hardened bodies. Um, and at the moment, our midfield after Keys um, really gets brushed aside a fair bit. Uh, and Letty, Letty gets in there, uh, but you're right. Well, the yeah, but Letty, Letty's size precludes him a bit, Mac. Um, he does yeah, get brushed off simply mate. because he's not a big, big fella. Yeah, the way the GWS midfield to me is a, is an ideal blueprint. They they they're not only oh. midfielders, but they they they're big. They're really big yep. and they're strong, and their bodies can just smash their way through and. Or if you get the ball, they'll tackle you, and they'll tackle you very, very hard because they have big, strong buggers. We've got these little weed, weeds about five foot ten or eleven trying to play against them. It doesn't work. So, so when you're talking about expectations, and you come up against a team like the Giants, and the same thing happened against Frio. Let's not forget, and Frio have a big body, mature midfield as well. Uh, and our midfield really struggles at the moment against those. And uh, same with Sydney with JPK and those sorts running through there, we struggle against those mature, big-bodied players. And um, it's simply uh, a result of where our squad sits at the moment and that we're probably one or two drafts away from having a squad that has really got the talent and the makeup, and also just the, uh, the years in the gym to be able to really compete against those players. Can you imagine playing against Western Bulldogs or Richmond at the moment? We... we we don't have that strength to be able to deal with that at the moment. Not at all. And um, well, at the moment, we haven't got a lot of strength to deal with anybody um, because, uh, you know, we, we, haven't, we are down on quality in the first place and then we've got uh, the players that are out injured. They are the quality players, unfortunately. Yeah. And, Nick, I don't know about you, but in previous weeks, it's, it's, it, to me, has been a, a lack of silk on the outside. We've actually competed quite well on the inside. This week, though, and Nick's pointed out in the presser, we, we helped them beat us simply because our intensity levels went through the floor, uh, which is kind of disappointing, and you wonder whether there's a bit of tiredness creeping in. Oh, they... Yeah, one player in particular looked absolutely buggered within the first five minutes, and that was Shoal. And it was like, well, if you're not, if you're tired within the first five minutes, get off the ground. Um, and a lot of well, their run on was often. Yeah, I know, but he looked absolutely buggered so early on in the game, and it was his play. He just wasn't chasing. He was doing the ones early on. But what annoyed me about the midfield was we we were getting very all of them getting completely completely and utterly sucked into the contest and they were leaving one or two out. And all they were doing uh, was tap, get the ball out and off they'd go. I, I actually will argue that point with you, Nikki, and the only reason I will is because I watched it again today um, and you're actually wrong. We were well, the ones often circling the contest. 
we were the ones often circling the contest, what they were doing was flicking the ball around by hand inside so quickly, but also just forcing it forward and, and basically bursting through our perimeter players. That They had too much strength for our perimeter players. So even though we weren't over-committing, we weren't corralling them either. They were able to break through. Yeah, but that's, we, we were coming into close... And they were leaving that one out. So that little flick around no. was sucking all of our players in. That's the way I saw it at no. the game. Yeah, that's thing, not how, how it happened. One thing saying... You're out again, Nick. Get quite out. Right. <laughs> he's quite right. No, he's quite right because G, that's GNWS. Uh, that's what they do all the time. They, you know, that Rather than somebody like to do a blind kick forward, they'll shoot a handball to somebody, back to another one, back to another one, until the, finally somebody's in the clear. And uh, Yeah. And all we're doing is reacting to that handball, to that handball, to that that handball, and we're just that little bit behind it all the time. So, uh, and that's they're very very good at it, and they've obviously they get trained in it, and that's what they do, and that's their forte, yeah. and they and they're one of the best in the competition. Which we do tend now, to try to do the same thing. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of hustle and bustle. Now we've got the esteemed uh, and long time um, Crowcast listener and supporter PJ Crows on the live stage. PJ, how are you going, mate? How are we? Good Very good. Good to, have you good to have you aboard, mate. You normally know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, this is this is a rebuild. Yes, well, exactly so right, mate. This is this is what you know, and it's it's not necessarily the rebuild that we all asked for because we've been sort of calling for younger players to be introduced earlier. But we went we went full rebuild, and this is full rebuild. So yeah. So what is your anticipation for the rest of the year, mate? Uh, I reckon we'll finish bottom four now, um, yeah. which is that's that's sort of that's fine. Um, this and yeah, the game yesterday was coming; it's been coming for a little while. Yes, um, it has. And it's just all midfield. We just we need we need midfielders for the next two or three drafts. Yep. Well, and it's assisted. It's a rebuild that's not assisted by the absolute draft failure that we've had over the last two or three years. Uh, the amount of first-rounders yep. that have dropped out, um, the missed opportunities with some uh, players that are now first 22 and other teams. Um, so we have that real um, that real dearth of uh, three, four, five-year players that are quality, and uh, that's where we sit. So we've got a bunch of Jerry's and a bunch of new kids and not much in between, and that this is what we're going to get, unfortunately. Yeah, and because of because of our, our drafting in the last three to four years, the next so the draft we just had last year, and then the next two are going to be, you know, determine whether we finish, you know, finals in four to five years, or whether we end up being Melbourne and Carlton for a little while. I think. Hundred percent. And if you were the list manager, what would you be aiming at? M- midfielders. <laughs> I feel I feel like um, our, I feel like our defence is pretty good. Um, and I feel like Phil Thorpe will be fantastic. Um, we've got O'Brien stitched up. Um, probably goal scoring power is still a little bit, of a, little bit of a worry, but it, it all starts in the midfield anyway. You need, you need mid, you need mids. Well, you know yeah. that about that's right. I mean, you, um, I did. It can be a little bit overrated in the sense I did with the the dogs, which have a very very powerful midfield. You do need a little bit more class up in your forward line and your back lines as well to, to be the complete package. But you've got no chance if you haven't got the decent midfield. You're quite right. 
And look, Tuesday night show will be a real good one for people who are interested in the squad makeup and uh, the talent around the place and, and uh, you know, where to from here. Um, myself and Pete will be going through that in fair detail. So PJ um, and others listening who like talking about that sort of stuff, make sure you get around Tuesday night. Um, PJ, just before I drop you back, um, just looking at the selections here, and there was one or two that puzzled me. I thought Jimmy Rowe was very, very lucky to hold his spot. And I also question whether... Andrew McPherson earned his spot or whether it was a good opportunity to get Worrell in the team? Yep. So, I mean, um, I think there's about eight or nine blokes that just need SNFL time, but you can't, you can't give them all SNFL time because of the injuries we have. Um, yeah. Worrell's got a, Worrell's got a debut next week. Like I, I it's the first to. proper SNFL game I've watched today. Um, cause it was on seven. So I watched it and, yeah, he was he was he was great. Like he, he needs to he needs to debut. Um, but uh, in a you know you watch we all watch rebuilds in that in other sides, and you you have to select players that are out of form to give. That's what giving them games is. That's what getting games into yes. them is. Um, unfortunately, yes. um, we just have to just have to cop it for for a while. Yeah, yeah. You can't um, you can't sort Mac- of say oh let's 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 give them games and then. As soon as they have two bad games, drop them because that's not giving them games. <laughs> no, that's true enough. Um, and the last question, mate, and uh, it's going to be a thorny point, but we dropped Darcy Fogarty um, and Tex is showing signs of wear and tear seven games in and he's not our next premiership lead up forward. I know there's a lot of romanticism about Texas' resurgence this year, um, but and he's also talked about wanting a contract uh, to go on again next year. But are, mm. are we are we killing Fogarty by maintaining Tex in the team as a, a focal point up forward? Um, ultimately, um, yes. I think we are. I, I'm, I've been, I'm on record as saying, as in the end, you know, when all is said and done in three or four years, I don't think Fogarty will make it. Unfortunately, mm. he's not. Um, he's, he doesn't have enough weapons, and I know everyone sort of says, "Yeah, he sort of he he's got he's got a lot of skill. He's fantastic skill." When he was, you know, he's almost if you put him in a in a in a SNFL team, you know, a decent SNFL team, he'd be too good for that level. But I, I don't, I'm not sure whether he's got it. Um, that's just my opinion. If if he if Walker wasn't playing three years ago and Fogarty slotted in in two thousand and eighteen and had you know had full forwards stitched up, I think there's a good chance he'd be okay. But I think um, I, I don't think he'll make it. But that's just unfortunately that's just mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah, well, yeah I think he's really given... saying. I'm sorry, I was Go just going to say I think what he's really saying there that uh, he by not being playing at AFL level, he's, de- he's developed uh, bad habits and uh, unfortunately that are probably so ingrained in him now, uh, which is one that's not working hard enough, uh, that he probably isn't going to make it. Is that what you're getting at there, PJ? Yeah, it is a bit, but it's also, I think that players do find a way. So mm-hmm. for he's, he's, a, he's a top pick and, you know, I sort of, I see him a little bit like, you know, someone like Josh Shackey 
who was at Brisbane and was at Bulldogs and whatever, and he's just um, it, it, play, play, players find a way to 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 be in the side. I don't I don't think a lot of people say, oh, you know, we're, we're ruining Chase Jones by playing in particular positions, and I, I don't think it's necessarily that. Sometimes top picks just don't make it. Um, now now I think he could he could quite quite easily get picked up by another club and and be turned around, but I'd, I'm not sure whether he well, you just, landing you just at the Adelaide football landing there. at yeah landing at the Adelaide football club in 2017 as a young kid is probably not great in the in how we're yeah. looking at developing players. Yeah, so you just basically answered my question that yes, we're killing Fogg's career by preferring text as a focal point because you're 100% right uh, in that players do find a way, but Walker is such a massive presence in that forward line and around the club, and Darcy is a very placid, laid-back country fella, and he's never, ever, ever been given the keys to the forward line. Never. That's that's true. That's true, yes. And the the way the game is being played at the moment, it favours burst players leading up. Um, and I, I would prefer, if, if they want to keep Tex in the team, I would prefer that Tex and Lynch rotate through that connecting role. I just want to see Darcy play out of the goal square for a month and see what he's got. This whole midfield experiment to me is bullshit. He hasn't got the speed to be a midfielder. He got He got towed up last week because they just run off him. He's not a midfielder and it's just setting him up to fail. And he could find himself at another club and, and be quite successful. I could see him at a, at, a, at a St Kilda, for example, and being quite successful. Um, and if he can be successful at another club, there's no reason why he can't be successful at our club if our match committee are prepared to make hard decisions based on what's best for the team in our next premiership window. Anyway, that's my view. PJ, really appreciate you coming on, mate, as always. And uh, thanks for your ongoing support. I shall shuffle you back to the audience. And if anyone else has got anything they'd like to say, we've got a couple in the audience, but uh, plenty more just in the in the text chat. So if you want to come on and uh, have an opinion, uh, then hop into just click on the Crowcast Live Studio channel. You'll come into the audience and uh, stick your hand up and away we go. Now, uh, Nicking and Macca, so I, I was concerned about those two elements of selection. I didn't think Rowe deserved to keep his spot. I didn't actually think um, McAdam deserved to keep his spot. Correct. Uh, and I don't think either of those players deserved to keep their spot ahead of Darcy Fogarty. And at the moment, I would rather see Darcy in a pocket than Shane Bloody McAdam, to be pers- perfectly honest with you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Look, in terms of uh, performance, there's no argument about what you're saying. Whether that will be an appropriate structure, I don't know, and whether we'll have uh, too many tools. When we had those first few uh, good games, we were only having two tools in the forward line and uh, and all smalls around them. And now, in recent times, we've reverted back to three tools in the forward line, and we haven't been going so good. Now, there'll be a lot of other factors in the game apart from that. The forward line doesn't seem to be operating as well as when there was only two tools. It gave the two tools a lot of area to run to. Yeah, but I don't think the game is actually being played like it was in those first couple of weeks, Mac. 
you don't see the the open forward lines as you did in the first couple of weeks because I think coaches now have come to terms with uh, the change in the game style. And we saw Clarkson do it to us last week where he just clogged up our forward line. He did. And, uh, yeah, I, there aren't many forwards now that are just being presented with lanes up the middle of the ground to lead into. Um, it's still fast and open and, and favours that leading forward. Um, but I don't think two tools is the problem. I don't think three tools is the problem, to be honest with you. I don't even class Tex as a tool because, again, as we've seen, he, he whether he's getting a jab before the game or whether he's just getting tired or leg-weary early in games, but after quarter time, he goes right back to his 2019-2020 form, really. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. But the two players you mentioned, they certainly don't deserve to be there next week. Not on their performance. Mm. McAdam might have been pretty... I know he got a couple of goals in one game, and that was uh, in one quarter. Uh, and if I remember rightly, I was told that McAdam's stats for the weekend was something like seven or something like that, and he got five touches in one quarter, and those quarters were one, one, and naught. I think that's what they said. Yeah. And uh, It's not uh, only what McAdam doesn't do, it's what his opponent does too, because defensively well, he's terrible. Yeah, obviously that that is the the alter, the, the other side of the coin. That yeah, he was standing. Uh, a bloke like called Idan got heat and heat for the ball, and yeah. and you know and he's only a, he's only a kid feeling his way. Hmm. Yep. Um, look, uh, the other one I mentioned, Nicky was uh, McPherson. Uh, for, I actually thought he was injured after last week, but so I was a little bit surprised that a he wasn't on the injury list, and b he kept his spot when we've got. Young Worrell just banging down the door at the moment, um, and in retrospect, I I thought it was a it was a conservative selection, and I feel like we needed to get uh, Worrell into the team this week. Uh, agree totally. Um, he's not putting a foot wrong in the SNFL, um, and he can play on those smaller players. He's taller than McPherson, um, but he gives us another that chop out mark as well, and he is quite a good defender. Um, uh, but you're right, I was quite surprised, particularly that knock he got, um, that he was playing again this week. And I, I was pleased to see that we actually finally started to drop players who were injured. But I think there were yeah. definitely more that needed to be dropped. I, th- I think there definitely are some still playing injured that shouldn't be. Um, I mean, it's a, yeah. that's a small baby step forward that... Uh, club and the, the coaching selectors went, okay, we've actually done something wrong here and the, they rightly got slammed and then yeah. tried to correct it, but they need to correct it even more. Now, Matt, I can uh, understand with Luke Brown going out with an Achilles why they brought in David McKay. I can understand the logic and as Pete and I were talking about on Tuesday night, you don't have to agree with stuff, but if you can see logic or if they if they express logic in their decision-making, at least that's better than, you know, Tom Lynch not being kitted up uh, to come on last week. But yes. how, did, how did you see the DMAC uh, selection? Uh, were you in favour of it? That was another opportunity for us to maybe bring uh, Worrell into the team. Well... No, I don't think that was the week to bring him in and for the reason of the position that was, that's involved. He's not a half-back flanker and he would get exposed a little bit on a half-back flank. You would, when you bring Warren in, you want to give him every opportunity to succeed and play him in the position where you want him to play. 
So I wasn't against David McKay playing uh, this week uh, because of the of who was out and where he was going to play. Uh, and you wouldn't, neither, neither would you want Worrell standing on the small guys in the forward pocket either. That would not be fair to him. So when he gets his chance, I, I want it to be in a position, uh, Pat McPherson, for example, that you know he's got every opportunity for success because we want him to succeed. Nick, how do you see it? I didn't mind it because we lost Brown, so we lost that a bit of experience um, out of that. And part of our problem as well against that Brisbane, um, not Brisbane, the Hawthorne game was we we lost that run out of defence. And what McKay does provide us with is is that run out of defence, and and he proved that yesterday. And he actually had a very high um, efficiency rating compared to most of the rest of the team. So I think in the balance of that back line, and we know that they're going to be under the pressure a lot, you can't throw all of the young players in there once because no, that's even though, true. yes, we're in a rebuild, you've still got to have something to, to calm them down and things like this. We don't have Talia back there. We've got Butts who actually tends to have to lead. Jude is one of our more experienced defenders. And yes, he's the acting captain, but he's still really young as well. So I yeah, only thirty-five guys so games, Tom. Um, well, the yeah. question then remains: Is they picked Lynch last year as a medical sub for uh, experience reasons? DMAC was available, as far as I'm aware. Um, so why wasn't a fit David McKay to give us some legs in the last quarter against Hawthorne deemed appropriate at selection? And yet this week he comes in for experience. Seems a bit well, like, uh, seems a bit contradictory to me, Mac. I'm in the same camp as you. I mean, it was one of the most... Everybody knows it was the most stupid decision and the club has made a fool of itself and it's actually evaporated a lot of the goodwill that it's been earning by sticking to this planned situation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, he was fit to play. He's so fit to play, he's going to be out for another three or four weeks. I mean, that, that, that was just nothing but plain bullshit and you're quite oh, right. No, no, no. It, yeah, Mac, I don't... Look, again, Pete and I discussed this on Tuesday night. I don't mind the club making selections based on squad management because at the moment wins are secondary and, you know, I'm sure the unspoken word is that we don't mind finishing bottom three given what's on offer at the end of the season. Um, So I don't mind the club taking a a squad management view on those sorts of things. Um, It shows me that... Last week, and I don't want to dwell on this too much because we've done it to death, but last last week they picked a squad based on squad management first and winning the game second because they clearly didn't want Tom Lynch to have any game time. Um, so, you know, you can agree or disagree on whether they should be t- picking a team to win this week, but in my view, at the moment, picking teams or picking squads based on uh, list management is, I don't... I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with them trying to bullshit their way through it uh, at a press conference afterwards. Yeah, well, that was my point. Exactly. Uh, I, I did, well, personally, I don't like the idea of having uh, a crippled player as as your sub because you might need him in the first uh, quarter. If uh, he was a wrong player, him. he was a wrong player. So, yeah, and, and then, but I, but that was only a minor thing. 
what the the real anger in me was the fact that they didn't uh, treat us like we're we're bloody idiots that we're supposed to swallow the bullshit that came out afterwards. Yeah. And I, and, you know, unfortunately, it, you know, the the guy who's the football manager, who normally sits quiet in the background, he came out with a stupid statement in the first place, yeah. which gave him no credibility whatsoever. Well, let's let's be honest with let's be honest though, Mac. They were probably on a plane home. Adam Kelly was probably the only one that was free because Nixie was probably doing all his post-match stuff. They chucked something together. It wasn't thought out well. And in retrospect, they should have shut up and waited until Nix's presser on the Monday. That's what should have happened. Um, but anyway, right. I, don't, I, don't to, I don't want to dwell on that anymore because that was last week. My point was that it was interesting that they picked DMAC for experience this week when uh, the reason for having Lynch in the team last week was experience and he was injured. So anyway... I didn't mind the, the DMAC uh, selection uh, all told, but uh, I, I really feel for young Worrell at the moment because uh, he really deserves a spot. And it's good to see that he performed well in the SANFL again this weekend. Um, he hasn't dropped his bundle, so that's a good thing. Talking about DMAC, I, my point would be is I think that he's probably the ideal medical sub every away game. Don't disagree that with you there, Mac. That way, you, you know, all your, all the young guys are getting a game in the sandful and you're not di- yep. disrupting anything there. I, I yep. think he's a perfect guy for it. Yep. And you know, no, he, don't disagree. There's, there's multiple, yeah, there's multiple positions you can play him in. He plays to structure brilliantly um, and he will always give 100% when you put him on the field. It's as simple as that. And that's yep. why we kept him on the list. And I was yeah. happy to have him on the list because of that. And he's actually still playing well. Yep. 20-odd uh, disposals, although uh, we'll go through it later anyway. Um, let's look at the head-to-heads, shall we? Because uh, times are moving on, my cohorts. All right, so yes, uh, head-to-head uh, disposals, 349 uh, to 409, so 60 disposal disparity there uh mostly by foot too um they were 50 odd kicks ahead of us uh and 10 handballs inside 50s there wasn't a huge disparity but i will be going through inside 50s maca shortly uh disposal efficiency was even 76 percent each um efficiency inside 50 though so 46 percent adelaide 59 percent GWS, they had 34 shots from 58 inside 50s. We had 24 shots from 52 inside 50s. Now, Maka, Nikki, I've been banging on about the quality of our full 50 entries for a little while. And I'm just, if I can tee this up very quickly, I'm just going to play, I won't play the whole lot, but I will play the first uh Orders forward 50 entries. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, here we go. Oh, hang on. There we go. So that's the first one to text. Uh, even though we got a goal out of this, you'll notice that it was from behind center and uh, text took the mark right on the 50. So uh, that's the beginning of it. Uh, the next one here is uh, Brody Smith. You'll notice again, he's gone inside 50 from behind. Oh, that's Texas again. It's restarted. This next one, 
a nice deep entry and we get a we get a score out of it the next one again from behind center and it's a rebound pretty sure this one again Oh no, this one, this is how, we, when we're going well, that's how we enter forward 50. Till him, uh, Himmelberg missed the kick. But it's that last little kick, Mac. I don't know whether you're watching that, but I'm just going to go back. Uh, let's have a look. It's the last little kick. Just have to uh, let that play through. So it's this one here from McHenry. Now, for most of the game, and Nikki, I don't know whether you're watching this on YouTube or not. But for most of the game, from this position, from this position, we were we were going into forward fifty. But in the first couple of weeks, and when we're moving the ball the way I'm sure Matthew Nix wants us to move the ball, the next kick doesn't go to forward fifty. It does. It goes to where Ned kicked it. He's kicked it in short to Himmelberg, right on the corner of the square. He's got bloke running past, but we've got the stand on standstill on the mark rule now. And he's able to turn and go. And had he kicked the ball a little bit better, that would have been straight down Tilthorpe's throat. So that's this is how we should be entering forward 50. Um, but unfortunately, that was one of the few occasions where we did so. Here's um, a kick in from uh, Tilthorpe. And this was actually not a bad... He was just unlucky with that one that it didn't bounce up for Tex. And then Tex decided to give it back to GWS. I don't know what he was doing there. Oh, uh, this one, again, from the wing, a big high bomb to a massive pack at 30 or 40 metres out. Um, the ball ends up being a stoppage. But there was absolutely no value in that ball coming in from where it was. Now, here we go going through the centre. And again, it's a big long bomb to 40, 45 metres out to a contest, and it's very easily repelled. Here we go again with Seedsman. And I'm sure from memory you'll see a big long bomb going into the fold 50, it's not, and it goes out of bounds, it's not the way that we're supposed to be moving the ball inside forward 50. We're going inside forward 50 from far too deep, far too deep, Macca and Nick, and it showed, this is, and this is in the first quarter when we're still fresh, right? So there's no excuse not to run, no excuse. So McPherson gets the ball here, he's still 30 metres outside 50, Again, a big long bomb. At least it got some depth into it. Allowed ourselves our crumbs, and uh, Barry was just unlucky with the snap. This one again, it actually uh, runs into our forward fifty, so it's not a really good representation because uh, and texture to keep that goal. So again, now this is the second quarter. And, you, and this is uh, Lady um, not making the distance from 48. Yeah, that was shocking. Yeah, and Murphy teaching him how to kick into the breeze. Now, this one here, I just want to, if I can just think this back a little bit. So you can see the... Oh, that's the Murphy one. Sorry. Right, so we get the, Keys gets the ball on the wing and he's given it on the outside, and we've got run here. But the player with the ball, 
can you see and you guys aren't watching so it's a bit difficult but there's a guy on the inside of him nikki and mac that is free he's got five meters on his opponent he's calling for the ball he's at pace he's got separation our bloke is running essentially towards the boundary line and any sort of kick is going to have to be a hook around his body. I remember the incident, yep. Yeah, he ends up hitting it up short to Rowe, so we're still outside 50 at this point. But Rowe, because of the way the ball's been moved, now Rowe is forced to kick basically into the pocket. And again, uh, the contest is nullified and goes out of bounds. So again, a classic example of how not to move the ball. Here we are again moving off half back. The ball's put into the clear. Now we've got, this is better because it's Seisman running in, but the kick, the kick, now how that wasn't 15 metres, I'll go nuts. That kick from Seisman to Rowe. Um, but again, that was better inside 50 because it was coming in from closer to the 50 mark and it was dropping the eyes and actually hitting up a target. And Rowe was just stiff that uh, the umpire decided that 15 metres was 20 metres. This one again with a hack forward. Oh, now I want to watch. I want people to watch this, right? So this isn't a forward fifty entry, but this illust. I kept this in because this illustrates what I was saying earlier, Nikki, about what GWS were doing. You watch as this ball gets wrapped up. You watch how many GWS players are around this contest. So look at this. You've got. I don't know whether people can see my cursor or not. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players around that stoppage to two Adelaide Crows players. Now, that ball was heading into our forward 50. So you would think that we would be streaming towards that contest to get the spillage or to get the handball or whatever. And yet at that point in the ground, there were seven GWS players around the ball and only two or three Adelaide Crows players. And that's what happened all day. All day. We were far too late. And then you see them work it out of here. It's just through weight of numbers. So Keys ends up getting it in. But again, it's a rush kick. And it comes straight back out again. So I don't want to go through any more. Um, but I have also um, put up uh, and... I apologise very much for my graphics here, but hopefully people will appreciate it. I actually tracked every forward 50 entry that we had for the game um, because apparently I don't have a life, Nikki and Maka. Um, so this is the first quarter, right? Um, Lord Curry for Val, I will ban you for criticising my oval. Now, inside forward 50, you can see there that the... Uh, <laughs> You can see that the inside, the green inside 50 is actually supposed to represent 30 to 35 metres out. And, Maki, you'd agree, that's where you want the ball to go, into the green zone, 30 to 35 metres out, right? Yeah, the only yeah. time you want to be going into that red zone inside 50 is when you're hitting up a short target like uh, Seisman did to Roy, right? So you can see out of all those um, entries... You can see we had, um, I think it was 10 entries for the uh, for the quarter. One, two, three, four, five. Six of them occurred from behind the centre uh, circle, Maka. Six out, of the uh, six out of the 12 entries happened from behind, uh, sorry, six out of the 10 entries happened from behind the centre circle. 
uh, only three of the 10 entries actually hit 30 metres and only one resulted in a score. And out of all those inside 50s, there was only one time and it was the only time for the whole match where we forced a secondary stoppage from an inside 50. So every other inside 50 for the match, for the match, we had 52 inside 50s. So 51 inside 50s resulted in either a shot on goal, an out of bounds, or a rebound. And 99% of them were rebounds. So just moving to the second quarter now. Uh, if I can work out how to do that. <laughs> just bear with me a moment. Maka, did you is that noticeable to you when you're watching it, the shallow nature of our forward yeah, 50 but- entries? Well, that's what's killing us because we're getting the ball, you know, uh, at half back between half back and centre, and often around a half back. And they're kicking when you kick down, just do a bomb down to the centre half forwards area, and probably a shallow centre half forward. So it might not, it might not even be inside the fifty. You're just setting yourself up for failure because they just punch the ball, they pick up the ball, and they can go straight down the guts, and and with better disposal and picking out a teammate. Give them every opportunity to get a goal. There's no, uh, you know, turnovers kill you, and those bombs into the forward line like that will will create uh, a turnover more often than not. Yeah. Uh, so you know, when we set- the first two of the game, we we were using a lot shorter. We were looking for players. We were running, and we were, we were hitting up hitting up targets. Yeah. So yeah. in the second quarter, we did better uh, at moving the ball forward. But our but our the depth of our entries was horrible. We only got two balls or three balls inside the thirty meter thirty five meter mark. Um, we only had one uh, two in, two entries from um, behind uh, in the red zone behind the center circle. Um, but you can see a lot of shallow entries and just rebound after rebound after rebound. Um, I've written them all down here, but they're all basically the ones that aren't green are basically rebounds, um, and that's it. The only goal that we got was actually from a grubbed um, inside 50 from uh, Murphy, which is the one up the top there in green, that just kind of rolled through chaos ball and Tex got on the end of it eventually and snapped a goal. That was the only legitimate, well, that was the only goal that we got from all those. Um, in the third quarter, you can see we're back to our old ways. So this is this is the wind again, right? This is the wind because the third quarter we were kicking into that wind. And again, all, here we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine entries in our forward 50 from behind the centre circle. And there's probably one, two that are marginal. Uh, so it could have been 11. Only uh, four remaining inside 50s that actually came from what I would call a, an aggressive location. And again, only three of those, and really only two, because uh, one of them was Barry's weird shot at goal because he couldn't outrun the bloke that he was 10 metres in front of. right? So really only two legitimate forward 50 entries that hit up into the, into the 30 metre zone. And to me, that's why teams run the ball out of our defence, uh, out of our forward 50 so easily, because we don't actually get enough 
depth in our entries, we're always kicking to contests. And if you kick to a contest 45 metres out, Nikki and Macca, what does it do? It just makes it easy to get the ball uh, out, of, out of your back 50 and down the flank again, correct? Yeah, particularly when you kick it in, as we do, high and, and bombing it, it makes it uh, an easy task for a defender to leap up and put his fist through it yeah. and get it rolling in their direction. And if they swoop on it, then they go very quickly into their forward line and catch us out of position. Yeah, Jad's asking that in the chat how many of those were lead ups. Uh, basically, none of them, Jad. None. Of, we weren't hitting lead ups. We were kicking to contests in that quarter. Um, and the last one is probably not so representative because um, GWS took their foot off the pedal a little bit, and you can see that was our most successful forward in, uh, quarter in terms of uh, converting forward fifty entries into scores. Even though most of them were points, as it turned out, but you could see we were able to get the ball closer and kick the ball in deeper. We actually had one, two, three, four, five, six entries into our 30, and all bar one of our entries came from forward of the centre circle. So it just it struck me. Uh, it's It's been sticking out to me for the last few weeks that our entries are, are very shallow and that we've got no method. And so I thought I'd track them today, and that's a result. So... No wonder we had 46% efficiency inside 50 uh, because that's how, we, that's how we took the ball in, Nikki and Mac. Yep, no argument from me. I'm, I'm 100% on the same side as you are there, Fiend. Yeah. Uh, free kicks. Well, go on, Nick. Sorry. I was just going to say because part of the problem as well is that, and particularly in that last quarter, it was a very stagnant forward line. They all kind of stand around and wait for somebody else to move. And it all ends yeah, up well, uh... standing in a position and no leading or no movement at all. And Murphy yeah. was the only one who was running the whole game and McHenry tried the yeah. second half, but that was about it. But to be fair, Nikki, to be fair, um, when you've got so many entries coming in where they should be continuing to move the ball forward rather than getting it into 50. Uh, we're pulling the trigger on our forward 50 entries far too early um, and we're impatient. The amount of times, and I, I didn't, uh, I've written it down, but I can't be bothered going through it now, but the amount of times we had a free or a stoppage kick um, uh, from sort of 70 metres out and instead of switching the play and trying to open up the forward line and give our forwards an opportunity to run into some space, we just stick it on their heads. We just stuck it on their heads all day. It just doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure it's not how Matthew Nix wants them to play. Uh, and he alluded to as much um, in his post-match pressure. But I don't know why we've reverted to that. And all I can think of is that it's because we're not getting as much run from our back half and we're not getting as much run from our midfielders to link up and maybe it also points to the value of uh, a bloke like Tom Lynch, who will normally get up the ground and be that connecting player. Yep, no argument about that. All right, uh, free kicks. Let's uh, crap on about the umpires now for a minute because it was even, 17 to oh. 18. But they've obviously had a bloody meeting and decided that we're going to be hot on the 15-metre um, uh, rule this week. And we're, just that, gonna, and we're just going to randomly decide not to pay holding the balls or highs or whatever 
except to the teams that we want to win. The Western Bulldogs got absolutely poleaxed by the umpires on Friday night when it mattered. Um, uh, we got poleaxed by the umpires when it mattered. Uh, Geelong got poleaxed by the umpires. It was a horrific round of umpiring. And I, I said in Big Footy during the week, Mac, that I've been watching this game long enough now that I'm, it's becoming boring watching shit umpiring. You know, I want to watch a game where the rules are evident, where a casual observer can identify that a free kick is a free kick and a, and not a free kick is not a free kick. And I think it's just time we've got to throw money at the umpiring department, actually pay the umpires, not maybe the current stock, but pay umpires more and just give them as much training psychologically and also analytically as we possibly can, just the same as you would an elite football player. I think we need to spend money to bring the umpiring department up to an elite level rather than a semi-professional level that it is at the moment. Well, it's pretty lousy, isn't it? Because, I mean, uh, you just watch it. In every game you see uh, players tackled and they'll drop the ball and then they'll get slung to the ground uh, in the process of the tackle and then they'll get a free for hanging on when they've already dropped the bloody ball. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's and one of the things that happen. And then, you, and then you'll get other blokes who just, as they touch the ball, they grab and they go for holding the ball. It's just no yeah. consistency or logic applied to the whole thing. And a couple of things so, I want to make clear that I want to make clear that I'm not blaming the umpires for our loss by any stretch. Um, and Jad also mentions rules. I 100% agree with you, Jad. The best rule that they ever bought in was hands in the back rule, Macca and Nick, because it was black and white. It doesn't matter whether it was a push or a touch, it's a free. And that's the way our rules need to be. I've had this argument with Donkey. There is two much of a grey area there are two the rules are too open to um i call it interpretation donkey calls it uh implementation six of one half a dozen the other there's too much room for an umpire to make a judgment call rather than just be able to apply a rule you got him high it's a free kick you didn't kick the ball when you were tackled or you didn't dispose of it correctly when you were tackled it's a free kick there's too much room, there's too much wiggle room for an umpire to have an ink impact by having to make a judgment call. Nick, sorry. Yeah, so basically I think what needs to happen is that you need to get rid of any ex-players involved in terms of either rule changes or umpiring decisions in terms of where they need to stand and everything else because that's partly to blame with what's happening is you've got people who actually don't understand umpiring, which is very different from football. Um, and the other thing is, can they please actually employ the SANFL goal umpires coach? Because whoever that is now is absolutely brilliant because you go to an SANFL game, if you're not sure whether it's a point, a goal or whatever, you just watch the goal umpire because the positioning is how it should be for that. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm and, not worried about the goal umpiring, Nick. I'm worried about the field umpiring. I, I know, but 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 it's oh, the, the the field umpiring is atrocious. You are you are spot on, and it is called interpretation. That is what they actually refer to it as umpiring. Um, because I was 
uh, trained at the SNFL um, with the AFL umpires at the time. And it's referred to as it's your interpretation. And they used to have a different interpretation of the week that they were going to focus on, which drove us all nuts. When yeah, but it's see, yeah. there's there's two points to that though, Nick. One is interpretation, which is all right. This week we're going we're going to allow a player that gets tackled x amount of time to get rid of the ball, and as long as he attempts to get rid of the ball, we're not going to be too harsh on incorrect disposal. As opposed to next week, the interpretation is going to be that he's that he's got to get rid of it straight away, and if he doesn't get rid of it correctly, then it's holding the ball. That's interpretation. But there's also the issue with the judgment that is involved in actually making a decision because there's too much of a grey area. Like, you know, has the player had sufficient time? That word sufficient is subjective. It's not objective, right? As soon as you put words like that into the rules, an umpire's on a hiding to nothing and you're going to get inconsistency. Agree totally. And and where that comes into it as well is that a lot of these umpires that I'm seeing coming through don't have a feel for the game. So that word would have been fine when you had umpires from 10, 15 years ago because they were actually taught a feel for the game and they knew the game inside out. The ones that are coming through now don't. And you can tell that they don't. They can't predict what's going to happen next, which is why they get out of position and it's why they're often standing in the wrong spot to actually adjudicate of where it is. and and um, that needs you're you're absolutely spot on. That needs to be taken out. It needs to go back to being clearer. I want them to get rid of this knock the ball on at all costs because that's what it is. It's the AFL wants that game to flow, so that's why that stupid um, subjectivity is within a rule that shouldn't be in there. And there's the whole thing of you're allowed to actually paddle the ball. You know, you're not allowed to hit it, but it's not allowed to really actively go upwards. They still allow it to go on an upwards motion. Um, yeah, but if you hit the ball, that's all right. Upright. Yeah, but if it's down, if, it's got to be down. It's got to be tacked down. You, can't, you can hit it no. sideways, but as soon as it goes upwards, that's a throw. No, never played a never game, played a game of football, Nicky, where that was the interpretation. Um, look, and Billy Four Eyes in the chat uh, makes a point that he thought it was going to be a short, sharp cast. Well, mate, uh, you're fairly new around here because a short, sharp cast <laughs> for the weekend wrap. Weekend wrap is about an hour 30 and we're going to uh, exceed that by a little bit. That's all right because there's not a lot of players to talk about. So uh, my last word on it um, is that I reckon I, I reckon there just should be more umpires on the field. Um, you have a look at a game of NFL um, and there's, what, line judges and bloody uh, main judges and there's about six of them going on. I think we could afford to have four uh, on the field now, two at the play and two... Um, away from the play, uh, depending on, you know, which side of the, the ground the ball is. You can have two two umpires adjudicating where it's going, so you miss out on the blind um, the, the blind decisions. Um, and we just have to try and... We, the AFL, in order to be taken seriously as a professional sport, needs to sort this out. Uh, and, but unfortunately, the AFL like to manage and manipulate and massage results as well. So whether they were actually invested in trying to sort this out, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, well, all I can say is that uh, what I don't quite understand is that uh, I can understand interpretations uh, being varied from 
game to game with different umpires uh, having their own in particular interpretation. What I can't stand is what happened in our game is that for the same rule of holding the ball, there would diff- seem to be a different interpretation several times when they could have been pinged as opposed to when we were pinged. And uh, yeah. that's the thing I can't stand is the same umpire being inconsistent with the one rule. Yeah. All right, look, let's move on. Um, stoppages, hit-outs um, were in Riley O'Brien's favour, but I don't feel that he got value for hit-outs. But look at that clearance number, 41 to 17 clearances, if you don't mind, 13 to 9 out of the middle, but 28 to 8 around stoppage. And that was when I was cutting up that footage for the forward 50 entries, that was particularly noticeable. And I was saying to Nikki, I think, uh, precast um, that, it wasn't so much. I mean, they got a couple of goals out of centre clearances, um, but it was the it was the fifty fifty contests around the logo that got us invariably. We lost so many contests in uh, on the wings uh, where they were able to run through and uh, make forward fifty thrusts as a consequence. Uh, and I'd love to see the stat of or the the heat map, I guess, of where they got their clearances from around around the ground. Because that was very noticeable to be, but twenty-eight to eight is unforgivable, Macca, around the ground. Yep, no argument. Uh, contested possessions one thirty-five to one fourteen. That probably plays it out. Uh, uncontested possessions two sixty-two to two thirty. Just reflecting GWS's overall dominance. Uh, surprising stat sixty-seven to sixty-nine, but that's probably just because GWS had it um, more often than not. Um, and you can see where the game was played. We were very much stuck around the middle third of the ground. Um, not a lot of value for entries and a lot of rebound coming out of our forward 50, whereas the Giants were uh, running very much off our half-back line uh, to create their forward 50 entries. Uh, marks 112 to 86 and 14 to 5 inside 50, um, and yet we won contested marks 9 to 7. So what does that tell you, Nikki? Um, no, we didn't use the ball very well, <laughs> Nicky. That's what it tells you. No, no. no I think they were getting marks inside 50, 14 to, 50, to, to 5, and yet uh, only seven contested marks from GWS for the game means that they were getting hit up. They were leading up. Uh, they were fast entries. They were deep entries and um, getting far more value for their disposals those slicing kicks as well across to a forward's advantage, which, you know, some of those passes I'm looking at it just going, there's no way a defender can stop that at all. No matter how great a defender they are, they're never going to stop those type of passes. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I forgot to put the stats back up. Uh, thanks, Vardy, for reminding me. <laughs> uh, intercepts were even. Uh, time in front is irrelevant. Uh, tackles, look, now look. This is the other thing. We did not stick a tackle. They ran through us, and this is what I was saying to you, Nick, that we did. Ha- we were corralling the contest, but unfortunately they were able to break free with quick hands but also just um, physicality. Uh, we only stuck 43 tackles for the game to their 60, um, and that's indicative of how they were able to brush us aside through the middle of the ground. Well, that's just uh, indicative of the whole game. We didn't. There weren't many factors of the game that we did well for, and uh, tackling was just as poor as getting the balls was poor. 
as yes. using the ball was for. So there wasn't much we did right. No, I know. Um, one percenters they beat us in that as well. Um, so and strangely enough, they only used sixty-seven of seventy-five interchanges as well. So they're pretty fresh. So look, that's the um, that's the head-to-head stats, and I think it's fairly obvious. Um, whoops, it's fairly obvious uh, that it, it doesn't matter what anyone says about the forwards or the defence. It was our midfield that got absolutely destroyed. Yeah, it, beginning and end of the end. Just started there. Yep. Um, now, individuals, uh, I'm going to make a call in a minute, but I'm interested to hear what you guys have got to say um, about who you reckon our best player was. Nikki, who do you reckon our best player was? Um, to start off with, I actually thought it was Smith, but he went a little bit more quiet in the second, but I still think he was pretty consistent over um, the whole game. I mm. actually really liked Kelly's game um, for a defensive point of view. Um, the other one I thought was very good for all four quarters and was providing options and trying his guts out was Murphy. Oh, Macca? Not those best. No, no, nowhere, nowhere near there. Um, no, not in the best. I, I, think, I no, think it was too hard to pick a best because it was Well, well I, I thought there were a couple that vied for it. I thought Keyes played very, very well. Uh, he gave 100%. Um, no, no argument about it. I thought Duday had a, a turnaround of his game from last week. Uh, I thought Seisman uh, was pretty good. Um, actually, Murphy wasn't bad, Nicky, but he wasn't in the top three. But that, that'd be my top three players. Yeah, if, if uh, I could not, I would have gone neither of you mentioned. Neither of you mentioned a guy that I think had... Um, I would have put him definitely in our top three, and that's Ned McHenry. I actually thought McHenry was the only one who was willing to run to space and to hit up leading targets rather than just bond the ball. The amount of times that I saw Ned McHenry take the ball on the wing and actually hit a 45-degree pass, to our advantage, um, I think his game was exceedingly underrated. He only got 13 touches, 8-5, and five, um, but uh, he gets slaughtered by the umpires. He doesn't get freeze. And he was the only one prepared to run for four quarters and to actually stick to the game plan and try and hit up targets. So you can see he played predominantly just behind centre. He spent 77% in the defensive half of the ground, Ned, this this week. Went 85% disposal efficiency. Uh, 11 uncontested possessions, so he was getting on the end of stuff and actually do, he only had two turnovers. So uh, four score involvements, um, only 132 metres gained, but what I liked, Macca and Nicky, about Ned's game is that he was one of the few players that actually stuck to the plan. No argument for me. I, I, I was going to actually talk about him later and just say that he he was one of the uh, good news stories in the, in the game that it was undoubtedly his best game in a game that we got thrashed. So uh, he's starting to look like a footballer. I couldn't see it in him last year, and this year, just gradually, week by week, he's getting better and better. And and he was easily by far our best ball. And uh, he's yeah, as I say, he's just stopped niggling. In. Uh, if he stopped niggling, he wouldn't get so many frees against him. But he's that is in him by nature, and also he. It's got massive determination to at least try and get the ball and 
he did bust his guts and he did it as you say he had his uh uh really was his best game he's played in crow's color so um no, he won't be my new love, uh, but I was. <laughs> I, I, but I did think that he he certainly uh, made the other uh, smalls look rather stupid by comparison. Um. See, the reason I ha- didn't have him in there, um, Fiend, was because I didn't notice him so much in the first half, but the second half definitely. He was he was one of our integral players who was still trying in the second half, and I love the fact that that was when we put him into the midfield, and where we started to get at least a little spark um, when he was put into there. So I didn't notice him so much in the first half. So it'll be interesting to see whether he, he was, but it just didn't seem to stand out then. Um, yeah. But I agree with everything else you said. But so my three, and then there was him and Seedsman was the yeah. next two underneath. Yeah. Uh, Seed, I thought, had a mixed bag. He got 27 touches, 16 and 11, had eight marks and two tackles. Um, uh, kicked two points. One of them should have been a goal. That I don't know whether it was the wind or not. He did a lot of running. He spent fifty eight percent in the back half, but he was very much that that second option off half back. So we had Smithers playing a bit uh, deeper, and um, Seisman sort of playing up around the high half back area uh, as that link player, that second that second disposal out of the defensive 50. And uh, the the knock that I had is the same knock that I had on C's last week is that he's very de- one-dimensional with his uh, delivery. And there was times where he burnt players on the lead to kick a long option. And often those long options, whilst they got into the forward 50, they offered no real advantage to our forwards. That was a, that was the down part of his game, no doubt about it, Wayne, that he was guilty of doing that probably ending up to about half a dozen times. But uh, overall, I, I, I thought his efforts was good and uh, he, he did get a fair bit of the ball. Uh, and the other players that I thought played reasonably well, I thought Kelly uh, played a pretty good game all day. Um, well, uh, let's, no let's, just, let's, let's just stick with seeds, shall we, Macca? And we can get on to the others in a minute, yeah? Okay. Yeah, I, well, it's finished. Yeah. yeah, over to you. Yeah, yeah. So seeds went at sixty-seven percent disposal efficiency. Uh, had twenty-two uncontested possessions, six contested, uh, four turnovers, two intercepts. So as I said, very much the link player. Uh, took yeah. eight marks, only nineteen pressure acts, but again six hundred and seventy meters gained. So um, similar to last week where he got nearly a thousand meters gained, he was again our main um, source of territory gain. I just would love them to work a little bit on what he does with the ball. He had nine inside 50s that pretty much amounted to nothing, Macca. Um, and uh, that's if he's going to be our district, if we're going to play Smith deeper um, uh, and in a more defensive capacity, and Seisman's taking on that, that uh, transition player role, he needs to be better by foot. He needs to be. Well, there needs to be better connection between him and the next option. Uh, well, no, no argument for me about that. I just thought that at least he he ran all day. He did, and he made opportunities. Um, and he blew some of them as job, well. Though. That was his well, job. Well, yeah, but other players had jobs too. They just didn't do it. We're just talking about you know who played reasonably well. And uh, yeah, uh, but what I'm saying I, is, in terms of effectiveness. Seisman's numbers are good, and he bobs up a lot. You see him a lot, but he—who's that phone in the background? He doesn't—is he doing his job when 
he doesn't turn uh, let's have a look at his score involvements because he doesn't turn th- those numbers into uh, into scoreboard he had eight score involvements from nine inside 50s uh, and as as I showed you in that forward 50 entry thing often he was the one that was kicking it to a contest or to the wrong side of a contest or whatever I, a lot to like about Paul's game in terms of getting to where he needs to get my criticism is what he does with it once he gets it. Yeah, fair enough. Though. As I said, I can remember at least six to eight times that he may have just burnt it by just bombing it. Um, and uh, he, is a, he is a good user of the ball if he wants to be. So, uh, yeah. Made well, is he though, or is he just a long kick? No, I think he's, he, can, he can pass her off. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Nick, anything to say? He was your man. No, and that's why I didn't quite have him up high enough um, because I I think we're seeing a step forward for Seed in terms of his consistency, but you're right. It needs to be that better disposal happening Um, and we're not quite getting that yet. And he's been around long enough. That should be there. Yeah. All right. Benny Keys, 28 touches, 14 and 14, five marks, seven tackles. Uh, again, you can see that he did a lot of work forward of centre, actually. Um, so he was kind of working hard to be that next option. And he was also probably our best performed player at stoppage, uh, which is where probably a lot of those possessions uh, came from. His disposal, though, continues to let him down 68%. Uh, only eight contested possessions, turned it over seven times, um, six score involvements. Uh, Four thirty-seven meters game. This is what you're going to get from Ben Keys, and this is this is why what you said um, earlier, Macker, is so true. Because in most midfields, he's your third or fourth stringer, but unfortunately, at the moment, he's uh, required to be the main man for us. And one or two things have got to happen. He's either got to get better with his disposal or we've got to get better midfielders. Well, we've got to get better both, really, Fee. But, but we do need better midfielders. Yeah. Um, look, let's have a look at some of the younger midfielders. Uh, I won't touch on Leedy because it was just another Laird game. The only thing I'd point out with Laird is he only had nine kicks, 16 handballs, just not good enough. Uh, let's talk about Lockie Scholl. I thought Lockie struggled today. Had 21 disposals, which is a good number, 14 and 7, 4 marks. Uh, a lot of his uh, stuff behind centre. Um, uh, 86% disposal efficiency. I just thought, again, we weren't. he only turned it over once, but we didn't get a lot of value from Lockie's uh, disposals today. Um, probably because he was getting them, uh, as the tracker points out, a, a fair like fifty percent of his possessions were in the back half, whereas normally we get most value from him when he's coming through into the forward, delivering into forward fifty. Um, but yeah, it was what his opponent did, Mac, wasn't it? I mean, he had Whitfield yeah. on him for most of the game, and Whitfield yeah. uh, was instrumental for them. Yeah, as I said to you before we went on the cast, I said, you know, Whitfield pulled his pants down and really showed him what a classy player does. And look, Lockie Scholl, he's going to end up being a good, very good player and maybe even a classy player. But 
gee, Whitfield is he is something special, and he and he really showed uh, Shoal what a really really classy player can do. And uh, yeah, Lockie Lockie had to go running around uh, a long way away from him to get kicks because uh, when it was one on one, Lockie was far too good. Yeah. Well, Whitfield had 30, 30 touches in his return match, 21 kicks, 9 handballs, 8 marks, Whitfield. Um, also played predominantly behind the ball, 73% disposal efficiency, um, but uh, just knocked up getting the ball, didn't he? And gained them 706 metres, which is really the number that we need out of Lockie Scholl. So he'll learn from that. Lockie Whitfield is, a, is an A-grade player, so Lockie Scholl would have learned a lot from today's game. Uh, Can I just make one comment on Whitfield? Just right near the end of the game, when he had a couple of bounces, he was being chased, and he was absolutely buggered. You could see he was buggered, but he still and in, and his end kick was not that great. But he he had been running all bloody day. I'd hate to say how far he'd run, but right in near the end, he was prepared to bust his guts to get the ball. And uh, yeah, I just thought he showed why he is so classy that he tried the. Not only has he got the ability, he just puts in so much effort as well. Yeah. Uh, Harry Schoenberg, 19 uh, disposals, 10 and 9. Uh, one mark, only one tackle from Harry. That's becoming a bit of a concern. Um, Harry needs to build some strength. I think the, 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 um, the challenge for Shui, I reckon, is that he's got to build strength, but he hasn't lot, got a lot of pace to, to mess around with, has he, Mac? So he can't no. bulk up to the extent that he slows down, but he really needs to work on his core, in my opinion. Yeah, look, he what Harry does, he does generally very nicely. I reckon uh, it's not he doesn't stuff up. Oh, very he's great often, with ball in. He's great with ball in hand. That's not the point. Yeah, but he's got to get more of it, and uh, I, I just think probably I don't know. He he still looks to me like he's carrying a little bit of pudding on him. Uh, feet. I don't know yeah, if you see little that little way. Bit. Yeah, I, he's he's got a kid's body, in my opinion. Yeah, he's got a you know he's summer the summer coming up after the end of the season. I think he should be working on uh, running, 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 and being able to endurance and speed and getting some of that pudding off of him and uh, uh, doing a few weights just to harden up what he's taken off. Yeah, well, I think core strength max the key because he a lot of people run through a Harry Schoenberg uh, tackle, and the thing is when Shuey gets tackled, he's very good at getting the arms up. Um, so and he's quite composed in close situations, so you don't notice him getting caught and brought down too often. But when he's got got to be the one to lay a tackle, um, if he's not in perfect position, they'll brush him off. So. Core strength, I think, and you're right, endurance. Uh, 13 uncontested possessions, 6 contested possessions, 7 score involvements, um, 348 metres gained isn't bad from Harry. So, you know, he's around the mark, Harry Schoenberg, around the mark, and I think it's just a matter of game time for him. Yeah, he's he, got, he, got, he's got, he got a little bit more involved this week well, than what he did last week. Yeah, I mean, he's got the potential to be very, very good, in my opinion. It's just he's got to do those, uh, go through the, the process of doing those things to get himself into the body of an AFL midfielder. And he was working on that over the summer. So he has slimmed down a little bit. He did that and he oh, was yeah. working on his endurance. But yeah. it, doesn't right. take, it takes more than one pre-season for that sort yeah. of stuff. 
yeah, so we, we can see that that's, that's going there. He's got that class. We just want to see him get a little bit more involved. And, and I think part, some of the problems with that tackling, he's still reaching. He's got to get closer before he really yeah. instigates that tackle. Yeah, because he's arm tackling rather than body tackling. Yeah, precisely. Now, we've got, a, we've got a couple more to go through. If anyone does want to have their say, uh, now's the time to get into the Crowcast Live studio and stick your virtual hand up. And uh, if we've uh, got anyone that wants to have a say, we've got uh, we've got we'll have a couple of minutes at the end just before we go. But we'll push on. Uh, Jackson Haley, I just want to spend a little bit of time with. It's his second game in now. Uh, only the eleven disposals, six and five, um, five tackles. Uh, spent a lot of the time forward of the ball. His disposal efficiency was all right, but again, I didn't feel like there was any real penetration or aggression with his disposal um, by foot. Um, five contested possessions, turned it over five times, uh, which is unfortunately the knock on him. Uh, no well, clearance that no. This is the one that I wanted to uh, focus on, Maka. No clearance stats for the game, despite spending a fair amount of time in and around clearances. Well, you've stolen my thunder, actually. I was going to make that point. He doesn't look like a midfielder's arsehole at the moment. He's going so poor at that. For me, I would, and Vardy Magic says, uh, banish him to the wing. And, I, and that's what I was going to say, that uh, he has been very, very unimpressive as a midfielder. And I know that uh, Nix has said he's trying to teach him how to play the position. Well, the lessons aren't being learnt very well because I don't like him as a midfielder at all because he doesn't get the bloody ball and he doesn't do enough with it. Uh, yeah, to, he when he played with GWS, they generally played him as a wingman and uh, he looked much better doing that than he does uh, as a midfielder. But uh, I'm glad we didn't pay anything for him because at the moment he's not giving us very much in, in return. Nick? No, Mac, it's kind of spot on there. I don't think yeah, Hately yeah. will make it. Even looking at him in the SNFL, I yep, don't like him. Well, I mean, the thing is, is this NFL form before he got drafted as an 18-year-old was standout. Uh, he had yeah. some standout gains for Central. So I think it's, I don't think it's right just to say he's even at SNFL level. And I'm not prepared to write Jackson off just yet. I don't. I agree with you, Macker. I don't think he's a midfielder. Uh, I never have. I actually think he's a third tall or a high half forward type. To be perfectly honest with you, he can play tall. He can take a mark above his head, and I yep. actually think, to be perfectly honest with you, the value with Hately might be as a replacement, a long term replacement for Tom Lynch. And you could well be right, because he's got no, he's got no. Uh, to me, just doesn't have that. Uh, ability as a midfielder to get in there, scrap yeah. and get it and get it out. He's, as you said, he hasn't got any possessions there. Yeah. Well, the thing of it is, uh, in, a, in a game like that where there was uh, such a disparity between uh, the teams with regards to clearance and where we got absolutely destroyed on the scoreboard as a, re- as a result of scores from clearance, um, to see a bloke that was involved in a lot of that not get one stat. Um, and I've always thought that Hately is is a, a wing half-forward type. And I reckon that there's... I don't know whether they'll ever play him there. And I know Jackson wants to play middle, and that's one of the reasons why he came to Adelaide. But you only get so many chances. And at the moment, 
there's a lot of spots up for grabs and he hasn't taken the ball by the horns yet. Um, and given uh, Ben Davis having injury problems and not really coming on, given Shane McAdams form tailing off, I'd be tempted to actually play Jackson as a high half forward and see how he goes. Well, um, the la- sorry, go on. I just say he can't do much worse than he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Sam is the last one, returning from a little bit of an injury. Didn't have a lot of impact, only 11 disposals, 4 and 7. That's probably the knock on him at the moment. He only had, uh, um, well, he had, what's that, 6, 7. Um, see, this track is rubbish. So he has 11 disposals, and yet there's 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 dots on the bloody oval. <laughs> How does that work? Anyway, he had most of his touches in the forward line. Uh, spent ninety-two percent of his time forward, uh, but uh, even so, his disposal efficiency was only sixty-four um, percent. Look, if he can't play midfield minutes, then he shouldn't be playing. And if he wasn't right, if he wasn't right to to rotate as per normal in the midfield, then he shouldn't have been playing. That's my opinion, and I don't. It's one of the reasons why I focus on selection at the beginning of these casts now because I, I still don't think, even though I think our philosophy is better, I still don't think that we're getting selection quite right at the moment. But it's probably a lot to do with just a lack of cattle, to be honest. Well, I don't think there's any argument about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, look... Uh, who or just uh, one from each of you now? Maka one means one, one from each of you. Uh, and I'll start with you, Nikki. Uh, person most under pressure, McAdam. Maka, McAdam. Uh, and I'll go McAdam too because Jimmy Rowe at least tried to get up the ground. I don't think Jimmy's. I don't think Jimmy's going to cut the mustard, to be honest with you. I think he's a romantic selection, but his the defensive side of his game is non-existent and he hasn't got the speed to be a small forward at AFL level. But I thought that his effort was better today. But Shane McAdam, when you want to talk about effort, we're just not getting anything from him. He is, he's all Hollywood at the moment, Shane McAdam. He doesn't want to lead up. He doesn't want to work hard. He chooses, he picks and chooses when he wants to go. He picks and chooses when he wants to tackle uh, and chase. And I don't know what's going on. He worked so hard, you guys, he worked so hard to get into an AFL squad. And it really disappoints me to see his work rate drop off like it has this season. Well, yeah, I thought he'd be a star this year, and he because he had a he really started to click last year. But yeah, he he's being Mister Hollywood at the moment, as you say, just hanging back and trying to do a specky now and then instead of being uh, making his man run, chase him all around the forward line and uh, open up opportunities for the for the other players. He, he's just lazy, and I do I agree with the others. Get those bloody long sleeves off of him. Put put a proper jumper on. Uh. I don't think that makes a scrap of bloody difference, Macca, to be honest with you. No, it's just a personal taste. <laughs> it's a bit like they're all saying in the chat before, you know, that the Hamill, like, well, Macca was actually saying that Hamill needs to get his long hair back because he was playing better. And his, head, <laughs> and his headband. And and his, yeah, yeah, it's just like, yeah, that's totally got everything to do with football ability. Um, 
I actually think the long sleeves is hiding the strapping that's across his chest, the pectoral muscles. I think it's a case of possibly a bit that we're playing him injured, um, which I don't think we should be because we know he doesn't cope well. No, we seem to be making that excuse a lot and he doesn't seem to be bothered by his pecs when he's going up for a hang, Nick. I know, and, and that's what annoys me. I think you're absolutely spot on with the we're getting zero effort from him and we should be getting so much more. Um, yeah. And he was providing great defensive pressure last year and it's just disappeared. And the fact that he keeps, he's behind his man all the time just drives me nuts. Um, yep. So yep. I, I think he needs to get that little kick in the butt. You're right, he's worked bloody hard to get there to get on an AFL list, to stay on an AFL list. Um, it, he has some difficulties, you know, regarding all of that, and he's overcome that. But to see him go back into his shell and, and seem to go back to being a lazy footballer, which we know that's – he he's got a good football within him. We want to see that. So I yeah. think he does need to go back and get that little but, bit of a kick in the butt. There's a lot of really, really, really good footballers playing Divi 1 Amateur League, Nick. It, it takes so much more to be an AFL player yeah. than just having ability. Um, so many blokes, uh, and it's always been the way, uh, so many blokes that I know uh, that I watch play with my son um, that I've watched since, uh, have they're just gifted, but they don't have the attributes that it takes to be an AFL player. They don't have the resilience, they don't have yeah. the body, um, you know, their skills don't match their size, all those sorts of things. Uh, with Shane at the moment, it's, it to me it's psychological and he needs to get off his ass. Um, guys, so much for this short, sharp, snappy cast. Uh, I've got some baking to do, you lot. Well, you know, that's right. I hate to keep from you baking. Um, on the chat, I think it was his <laughs> lordship mentioned uh, Maxi signing. That was great for the club. Uh, Pete and I will talk about that a little bit more in detail on Tuesday night. Next week, who have we got next week? Uh, it's, a, it's a showdown. Oh, the court we got. Oh, bloody Port Adelaide. We're going to get absolutely destroyed again. Uh, Port in their oh. um, stupid Guernseys, whatever they are. I think we're going to get... Uh, a similar shellac. Pardon me. Sing, similar shellacking. What do you reckon, Nick? Yep. Matt, it, after the way they lost. Yeah, I'm thinking between sixty and eighty. Yeah, I think you're right. Look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube uh, and Twitch, and also everyone who's joined in on um, on Discord. Uh, thanks very much to PJ Crows for coming on. Hopefully, you guys get more comfortable with participating uh, either on the Sunday night and also on the Tuesday night in particular. We want to make that one as interactive as we can. Don't forget, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe and hit the notification button. Also, don't forget to tell your friends about Crowcast. We'd like to grow our Crowcast community and uh, anyone who joins uh, the Discord server here will be more than welcome. And uh, So get your mates to get around it. Finally, if you want to support the cast on uh, Patreon and become a patron, uh, please do so. Go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. And we appreciate all our patrons. We'll be doing a patron-only event shortly. Uh, more to come on that one. But in the meantime, Nikki and Macca, I'd like to say thanks and good night. 
Yep. Yep. Good night, all. Night, all. Night, guys. Night, everyone. <laughs>